Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this privileged time of honoring your name through the real life stories of your work in these women's lives and the testimony of women singing praise to you in song. And God, we just rejoice today with great gratitude for the gifts you give us through these ladies, others who are here now who will come in time to serve your kingdom in this place, God. And God, we ask in these closing moments of our service, Lord, that you remind us of the, the true testimony of our heart being the thing that you call us to demonstrate and communicate to this world as they have today. We'll pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, a special thank you again to our ladies who've shared today, of course, those who have sung with us as well. As I noted earlier, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, in uh, verses 9 and 10, if you want to turn there in your Bible. This is not going to be on the screen, so if you've got a Bible with you, you're probably going to want to turn there. And you hear um, in these accounts, these uh, stories today, these testimonies today, uh, the personal ways that God uh, has worked in the lives of these women. Uh, certainly, maybe you're even reminded today of the way that God has worked in your life. And I want to close uh, this service today with a reminder of the importance of uh, the condition of our heart above all other things. You know, we live in a world that's uh, focused on and oftentimes maybe even obsessed with the outward appearance and the things that the outward signs of life communicate. But our God is focused on the inside of our heart and what that communicates to the world. And we've seen that on display with these ladies today. You know, what you've heard shared uh, these testimonies, these accounts, is, is their heart, is their soul, is the work that God has done in his relationship with them. And if you've been encouraged today, if you've been motivated today, if you've maybe even been called to do something today, it's a reminder that ultimately what God is seeking out of us is, is a commitment and faithfulness to him above everything else this world tries to pull us towards and turn away from him. And so look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Now a little background on this passage. Our message today is going to be brief, so try to keep pace with me here. I might talk a little faster than normal. Ephesus was a commercial uh, city. We've talked about the city before, and there were some issues in the church in that city. There were all kinds of things converging in the middle of the city. The best of commerce was coming in to this city, and that included the best of aesthetics. So whatever was noteworthy in appearance was entering this city, and as a result, the church was be getting to be affected by it. You know, there was a time in the earliest days of that church, most churches... Uh, where people were excited about the Lord, they were focused on his work, and they, brought, they came together to establish a church because of their passion for Christ. But as sometimes happens in the life of the church, the influences of the world begin to draw them away from their focus. And so this church in Ephesus was struggling with that issue because of all the things that were coming into the city. In these preceding verses in uh, chapter 2, Paul addresses first men, because there were a number of men in that church who were real eager to be leaders and tell people what to do, but their prayer life was almost non-existent. 
and their spiritual life was on life support. And so he tries to address that in the church, to call these men back to faithfulness, uh, away from their own egos, and back to the call of the kingdom. And then in these verses, as this church was struggling with these matters, there are some women there who were competing against each other for attention. You know, it wasn't a verbal matter. It was just the way that they were living their life. They were trying to draw attention to themselves, trying to draw popularity to themselves. And in that day, expensive hairdos arrayed with costly jewelry were an accepted way to get social attention. So this morning, there's not probably too many of us that have pearls and bangles in our hair, but uh, in that time, that was a fashion statement. And so these women were doing this to try to draw attention to themselves in order to elevate their profile among other people in the life of the church. And that context of this specific passage is corporate worship of the church. So Paul's not just addressing a general matter. He's talking about when you gather together for worship. That's the focus he's pointing to, meaning when the church gathers together for the purpose of exalting God, like we do here each Sunday, like we have done even this day. And evidently these women were distracting from the purpose of worship, which has nothing to do with drawing attention to ourselves, but instead has everything to do uh, with drawing attention to Christ. Now this morning I don't stand up here with a fancy hairdo, uh, nor do I wear pearls today. But I resonate with that as a pastor. You know, when I was a pastor at my previous church, I preached in jeans and a a button-up shirt, because that was normal attire for that congregation. And so in the place that I was there, if I had walked in with a, a suit and tie on, I would have been a distraction from the message that was being presented, because the context wasn't like that there. It would have been something that would have drawn away. If I had, on top of that, if I had worn pajama pants, I don't think I saw anybody coming today with pajama pants. No offense if you did. If I had worn pajama pants, I also would have been a distraction the other way. I would have been drawing attention and a different type the other way. My goal each week was for people not to notice me either way. So when I would come to preach in that place, my whole focus was I don't want people to think about anything I'm doing, nothing about my clothing, good or bad, nothing about my appearance, good or bad. And coming here, the context requires different type of clothing, at least for now. Our neighborhood is changing, and you've changed. Uh, we all kind of look a little different than we might have 20 years ago. It took our... Uh, previous pastor, not Paul, but Charlie, about 30 years to stop wearing a tie. So I don't know how fast that pace will go, but we'll try to keep pace with the community as it, as it changes and we reflect the place that we're in. Ultimately, we are called to dress in such a way that people don't see us at all, but instead see Jesus. Now, I want you to hear this morning that this message is not a sermon on dress. Uh, the focus that Paul is seeking to call attention to is this, that what people should see in our lives, ladies, men as well, is Christ above everything else. That what catches their attention isn't our appearance, but what catches their attention is the gospel that we communicate and how we live. In verse 9, you see the word modest there. In Greek, that means well-arranged, fitting for the context, fitting for the place you're in, decent and orderly. A godly woman's apparel will be marked by modesty marked by decency. A godly woman's dress should, uh, as the word notes here, be self-controlled, sobriety in the King James Version. It comes from a Greek word that means having a sound mind and a good sense, a good focus. And you know, this could really be applied to a lot of things, not just dress. It could be applied to anything that sort of makes up the outward appearance of our life. There's one 
pastor who put it this way, it describes an inner self-control, a spiritual radar that tells a person what is good and what is proper. Meaning we have the Holy Spirit in us to guide us with all the outward signs of life. So that could be the car we drive, the clothes we wear, the home we live in. We need to have a sense of, is this communicating something about me and my independence? Or is this communicating something about Jesus? Is this communicating something about the gospel? Now, is Paul implying here that women should never braid their hair or wear gold or pearls or fine clothing? Some of you might have already taken your earrings off at this point. There are some who would take this very literally and avoid all these items. What we see in 1 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4, it says this, Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Don't let it be merely outward. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Very precious in the sight of God. You'll recall men, not too many Sundays ago, we talked about the Bible telling us to do hard work, live quiet lives. This command of quietness isn't just a matter for women, it's a matter for men too. We're called to live lives that don't draw attention to us. That's really the focus of what the Christian life is to look like, whether, again, it be in clothing, it be in other outward signs. We are called to live lives where when people see us, they don't think anything about us but they begin to think things about Jesus. That's the call and that's the command. So keep on your earrings this morning. In 1 Peter 3, this context of what Paul is saying is this. Peter notes this, or excuse me, Peter notes this, that adornment should not merely be external. Paul hits the same note in our passage in 1 Timothy today, that it should not just be an outward sign. It's not wrong to wear gold, pearls, or other things. What is wrong is when the emphasis of the external draws our attention away from the Lord instead of to Christ. And so while it is fitting and appropriate for a woman to take time, care, and effort to prepare her outward appearance for worship, it should not be the main emphasis. But what Paul is getting at here is much more than clothing, much more than what to wear on a Sunday morning. And that draws us again back to verse 10 in chapter 2. But with what is proper for women who profess godliness or who are Christian with good works. And so essentially what Paul is saying is this, live a life in keeping with your profession. You've heard testimonies today that exemplify that. The women who've accounted for the work of God in their life have communicated something to you through their story. Not just as an encouragement to them. I pray today that as you leave this service... You, yes, encourage them, thank them for sharing, but that's not the message that's lasting for you. But instead, you've seen in the example that's been testified to lives which communicate something about the gospel, about the work of God in a life that's pursuing God, not pursuing the outward signs that draw attention to themselves, but instead pursuing what they profess to be true in their hearts, that Christ is Lord. And if that's true... And it's going to show in how you live your life. Ladies, you're not going to be like other women, particularly in this appearance-obsessed age we live in. You're going to be women instead who flaunt the gospel, who proclaim the truth of the kingdom, 
whose lives exemplify a testimony of how Christ has transformed you. Your womanhood is ultimately, our focus today being biblical womanhood, your womanhood is ultimately defined by this question, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Man, that's true for you as well. A Christian woman's apparel or any other matter in her life should be a reflection of her inner character and beauty. Instead of a list today of what's right to wear or right to buy or right to whatever, the question you've got to ask yourself is this, as you engage in this world, as you purchase what you purchase, you do what you do in the mirror, you communicate what you communicate with your words, are you exalting the kingdom of God? Or are people looking at you? We can be dressed in our Sunday finest and take great pains to make ourselves look presentable, but if we fail to make sure that our heart is right with the Lord and prepared to worship, then we're missing the most significant part of our preparation. And I would ask you today, men and women, how does the time you prepared your and your family's attire compare with the time that you used to privately prepare your heart for worship today? That might be a conviction for you. certainly was for me as I reflected today on this message. Ladies, you are told to prepare yourselves with godliness and good works. This is where the emphasis should be placed. Good works should flow out of a heart that is right with God, desires to worship and exalt Christ above everything else. That should be what your life is marked with, what your story is known for. A woman's beauty should flow from her inner self, not her outward appearance. Outward beauty fades, doesn't it? As we grow older, we fight all kinds of wrinkles and bulges and (laughs) other kinds of words we could put in there. Our youthful physical attractiveness fades with age. We live in a culture that prizes appearance above everything. But it is so reassuring for us who know Christ today that what is of greatest worth to God is what 1 Peter 3, 4 says, a gentle and quiet spirit that doesn't fade like beauty does. And so as physical beauty diminishes, inner beauty can increase for the godly woman. And men today, I want to encourage you as a reminder, for every moment that you see a lady in your life who puts special attention to her appearance, maybe for a date night, maybe for some presentation somewhere, and you say you look really nice today, let your compliments about her faith be five times as much. Let that be the thing you're accentuating and exalting. Let the church culture be one that doesn't prize outward beauty so much as it prizes inward beauty. And so if you are trying to impress others with your holiness by your dress, by being so reserved because you think that's impressive, or you're trying to impress others to attract attention to yourself, God is not impressed. What impresses God is an obedient heart from which proper action flows. And as we seek to please God and obey his word, our conduct, speech, and dress, and everything else we do, and this is true for men, as well, will reflect that obedience to exalt the kingdom of God and not ourselves. One Christian put it this way, true beauty is Jesus and him alone. Letting that love 
flow through us to others is the beauty that is pleasing to God. True beauty radiates from the face of a godly man or woman. You won't notice much what they really look like because you're too busy noticing Jesus in them. Shouldn't that be our goal? Let's allow Jesus to so fully indwell us that we would never do or say anything that would bring shame to his name, yielding our whole lives to him, including our dress, serving him in the inner courts of his blessedness. Let's not forget that we are his as we fully divorce ourselves from this world and clothe ourselves with the righteousness of God. In a moment, we are going to close in a song. And if you've been moved today by this reminder through these testimonies of what it looks like to live a life of obedience to God, maybe you've been convicted over something shared today, maybe you've just had your heart stirred for a new desire to obedience, I want to encourage you to come and pray with me. I'll be here at the end of this aisle after this song. Of course, these steps are open. Let this be a day of not just encouragement over these three women's lives. But let's be a day where you are called yourself to revival again. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for these women who have brought forth praise and song, others who have shared in word. God, we thank you for the blessing you've bestowed upon this church through the work of women all across this place. God, we are... We are so grateful for testimonies today that say something about you being king, say something about finding you in trial and in joy. And so God, let us not just be stirred to response because of these women, but as your spirit calls us to obedience, God, let us say yes to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.